Let this duly be noted that uh, Luis just said off camera, I was told I was going to be asked some questions. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, oh my God. It's like a bug. That's all you know about that's this? That's it, that's it. Do not air this on television. Jody, it's hard to believe that we're doing yet another Jody and Todd <laughs> podcast. I think, didn't we just do one? We did, we did, and it's it's so great to actually get together and, and talk face to face instead of yes. over a phone line somewhere. With and Josh uh, Kelman in the middle, which is yeah. kind of well, bizarre. You know, Josh is always it's always good to have Josh around, but uh, this is not, nice. Not, not that good. Hey, we're at uh, the ice den, which is right by 18 degrees, which is where you. This is the scene of the crime. How did the icebreakers go with Christian Fisher? And Paul Bissonnette. And Paul Bissonnette, yes, it was great. And, you know, I didn't really, really I think it was Paul's first icebreakers, right? Mm -hmm. So I think he enjoyed it. And it turned into a little bit of Clayton Keller bashing as far as his domestic abilities. You know, those two guys are roommates. And uh, that was fun. It's always fun because you look back and you say, those are some of the fondest yeah. memories of your life, whether you're in college uh -huh. or maybe, you know, like these guys playing a pro sport and living their dream. And Fisher's, you know the story, Fisher's yeah. the dad, Keller. Yeah. Basically, they deemed him you know, useless that he can't do yes. anything yes. in the house, but he can play hockey, which is quite important, obviously. Yeah. But no, it was cool. We got to learn uh, a lot about him and, and kind of um, off the ice and a little bit more about him and great, great kid. And I know you know that from sitting yeah. down with him in uh, Urban Coyotes. I as love well. him. He's one of my favorite people. I think he's going to emerge as a very special piece of the puzzle here. But speaking of that time in your life, can I, real quick story, we're podcasting. When yeah. I think of that Go time in my life, when I think of that time in my life, I just got out of college, just started my broadcasting career. I was making no money, and my dad came out to visit the only time. Walked into my one-bedroom apartment, looked at my frying pan at midnight, and said, we're going to the store. He took me to fries to buy. Apparently, I didn't know how to clean a frying pan. Is that wow. probably didn't happen to you, you know, right? No, I mean, we didn't cook much either. I mean, my roommate in Buffalo, so I had lived here, you know, I actually lived for a time with Liz Ridley, who was working for the Panthers, and I was working at WQM, the radio station, and for a while we had a roommate. He, we needed, a, you know, extra rent was good. Stanley C. Panther, the mascot, lived with us. Oh, my God. Okay? And, yeah, and we were always, you know, at that time our lives were just like ships passing in the yes. night. Nobody sees each other, but there was no food being made. I yes. can guarantee that. And then my friend and I, when we lived in Buffalo, and you know this, Wegmans, yeah. right? Love the, oh, my we God. We would shop. At what, we actually did, you know, we didn't cook, but we'd buy, like, the pre-made stuff. At yeah. Wegmans is still the best grocery store. No offense to all the other great grocery no. stores. When I, was the king. In, yeah. when I was in Florida, it was Publix. You know, here we have a lot of great ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's fries. There's, you know, all of them. Yep. And Wegmans had just an awesome like food bar like all these different things you could but she and I used to you can appreciate this living in western New York or upstate New York we would have to for some reason the dining room table the little tiny t was by the door and it would be freezing in the winter because there was no insulation in this little you know uh -huh. two bedroom or yeah two bedroom and the upstairs uh -huh. and the downstairs was really little and we would have like blankets she'd be on the computer and we would like just walk around with like blankets around us before Snuggies I guess I, <laughs> I remember that I used to sit by the heating vent in our kitchen when I woke up in the morning, I would sit on the ground yeah. before breakfast, which yeah. is <laughs> unthinkable. But you know, it is, it's funny because these guys, and uh, they're living the life, they're here yes. in Arizona and mm -hmm. playing a, NHL hockey, but yeah, never cooked a meal in there. No. That was one of the revelations. So. Now we know, by the way, I, I, full disclosure, the microphone I'm using, this MP3 recorder, I dropped in my coffee yesterday. Really? And it, and it, you mentioned that to me, but it looks good. It's, well, everything's okay? we'll see if it works. I don't know. It's very <laughs> crunchy. All right, a couple of things. You heard my line of questioning here at the morning skate before the Coyotes game. Are you suffering at all, like so many people seem to be, from Tom Brady, New England Patriots fatigue? Super Bowl fatigue. Uh, Are you sick of seeing them and him? 
in the biggest game I in the world? I actually am not because uh, I, no, I don't because yeah. you know what? I, I, I love watching excellence and mm-hmm. that franchise does it all. Um, whether you hate them or not, you know, you want to chase the uh, excellence, don't you? Some people don't want to see him there anymore. What about you? No, I, I'm actually a big fan of, of, yeah. of his and, and I mean, um, I think he deserves it because he's been, been so so good over uh, a long time now. And, and uh, I mean, if you're in the Super Bowl that many years, I think you deserve it. So no Tom Brady fatigue for Oliver ekman Lars. No, not at all. Okay. I, I love seeing him there, and I think uh, I think they're going to win it this year, too. It's a Super Bowl weekend for our intents and purposes, and I have this theory that a lot of people have Tom Brady, New England Patriots, Super Bowl fatigue. Do you? You know, I don't. I don't either, actually. Okay. I mean, is it, you know, yes, do you guys, it's been so long. It's been 17 years since he's he won the first one, right? Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. Yeah. It's hard to believe. I just appreciate it so much. Yeah. But I do see where people are kind of tired, like, okay, on to the next. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just amazed that he can still do this and, and the whole organization can still do all of this. And, and then, you know, I witnessed the loss to the Giants, which was amazing what it takes to beat that team. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. You know, I'm in the minority, I guess. No, I, I actually am with you. I, I'm, I'm torn. Like, I talked to Rick Tockett this morning about I grew up in an era where there were legitimate dynasties. You had Miami Dolphins, the Steelers, the Cowboys for a bit. And I, I thought it was cool to have a villain. A yeah, team that everybody yeah. wanted to beat, and I, I don't like parody. I, I I can't stand that, and I think we will miss Tom Brady and the Patriots when they're gone. But I am from New York, and so <laughs> I root for people, and I I have to root for Nick Foles because of the Arizona Wildcats. He, he's, he's such a good kid. But yeah. um, I always root for a good game too. Obviously, like everybody. Yeah, right? that's what Aaron Rodgers told me yesterday too on the 16th hole after he finished. He was just hanging out. Just hanging out. What a great guy. What a name drop! I'm, wow. I'm, you know, I'm not that name dropper, right? I'm really not. You know me. But I, it's funny because there's so many Packers fans out here, and all my friends are like, oh, my gosh, Aaron Rodgers. Kind of like when I work with Mark Grace, just like yes, you do, and yeah. all the friends that uh-huh. are Cubs fans, and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to meet Mark Grace. And I'm like, I work with Mark Grace. It's great. But I was standing there thinking I have never interviewed, you know, I've mm-hmm. never interviewed Aaron Rodgers because, mm-hmm. you know, like with the Cardinals over the years, I've never mm-hmm. gone into the visiting right. uh, dressing room or locker room. But really good guy. Yeah. Really seemed pretty down to earth and thoughtful about, you know, even he really enjoyed being out there. But, you know, what was the question, Todd? I, I forget. I don't even remember. I was just laughing. <laughs> oh, you said- good game. Yeah, because I wanted, you know, I was like, come on, give me an answer. You know, no one's giving you an answer out there. That was the one thing about going out to the pro-am. pro-am. No one's being controversial really yesterday. No, why would like, it? It's a pro-am. Well, we're feeling good about the new coach. Yeah. You know, everybody's good. Fitz was noncommittal. <laughs> I already know what the heading of our website hit to promote the podcast that Kelman will put together It'll be something about you hanging out. Your answer will stay with me forever. All right, before I let you go, you mentioned Mark Grace. We're going to hear from him. I had an extended conversation with him yesterday, Jody, uh, about the passing of former Diamondbacks general manager Kevin Towers. They were the best of friends, and I thought Mark would would be able to tell his story better than most, and he did, and you'll hear that in a moment, but I can't end this portion of it without hearing from you. I, I kind of spoke my mind about him, but you and I were literally in a booth next to him for a few years. What did Kevin Towers mean to you on a professional level and a personal level? Well, there was always an air of, you know, honesty with Kevin, with KT, as everyone called him, and the gunslinger, right? Yeah. He wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to pull the trigger, and that's big in, yeah. in, in that business. And, and he believed in 
in the people that he brought in, which I noticed a lot of players coming out on Twitter saying, thank you, you gave me my chance. And sometimes there's a lot of animosity. These were guys that actually were let go too later, you know, and, and, and but no, everyone seemed to love KT. And my memory of him will be, you know, we take the bus sometimes if you're on the road from San Diego to LA or vice yes. versa. And yep. he would come back to the, cause that was, you know, I believe he lived in Encinitas, even though I know he was from Pacific Northwest and he loved that area down there, had so many friends. And he would tell us, you know, where to go for dinner, uh, just, you know, the crew, you know, and he treated everyone the same. He wasn't just talking to me or, or, or Bob Brunley or the guys that were, you know, just any, but anyone that would listen and, and want to chat with him. And it, it was like wine recommendations or restaurant and just so down to earth. And it's, it's just terribly sad when I did hear, and it was, it was as, you know, we're going to hear in a minute, amazingly kept pretty quiet. Yes. But when I heard, cause I remember him having some issues right before he left here and you thought, okay, that's just, you know, going to be a, a, an issue that he can take care of and be healthy again. But so young, and it's, it's really terribly sad, but he will be missed. Thank you. Well put. Jody Jackson on the Jody and Todd podcast. We continue now. Mark Grace on the late Kevin Towers. Here's the one, the one thing that tells me everything I need to know about Kevin Towers, and I only knew him as a, as a broadcast partner. But when I saw that the baseball world knew of his illness, yet never leaked it. No one made a name for themselves by broadcasting or tweeting or posting that Kevin Towers was in dire straits. That told me as a guy in the media for the last 31 years, all I needed to know about how he treated people and that he didn't tell his parents for as long as he could. That tells me about Kevin Towers, the man. Am I even close, do you think? I don't think you could be any more uh, spot on. You know, famous baseball writers like Buster Olney, uh, Bob Nightingale, they all knew. They all knew, but they respected Kevin so much for the, the good times that they've had over the years uh, together and the respect that uh, Kevin gave them as, as writers and reporters that um, they respected his privacy and they respected the, the, the fact that Kevin told him, hey, you know, I really, I really would, uh, would rather not be a big deal about me and that kind of stuff. And really, nobody ever, nobody ever really knew until uh, they saw it on AJ Hench's board in the World Series. And even then, they still kept it quiet. I, I find it really interesting because you, you've been a part of, of two different sides of the equation. I, I felt like I could talk to Kevin Towers about anything and any time. I, I as as I try to tell every general manager that I work around as a broadcast partner. Hey, we're not here to break stories. We're just here to tell them and, and get it right. And all I ever ask of someone in that position is to be candid with me and tell me when they can tell me, but tell me why they did what they did or why they want to do what they're they're trying to do. So then we can convey that. And he was simply the best at that for me. He just didn't pull any punches. I mean, he was... He, he was he, the guy you could ever, exactly. you could ever have something to the point where, boy, Kevin, that's really candid. Yeah. And, and that's what made him so uh, so likable. Uh, if, you, if you didn't really know him, he was likable. If you knew him, he was lovable. You know, that's 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 what you got with KT. He was uh, he was respectful to everybody. Uh, and if you cared about the game of baseball and if you cared about his ball club, he saw you as an ally. He didn't. He yeah. didn't see you as an enemy. He saw you as an ally, and I think he treated you as such. And man, Todd, it, it, I still haven't really. It still hadn't really hit home with me. I can't believe, at fifty-six years old, this uh, this gem of a man is gone. Well, you and I are at fifty-three, 
and uh, that's something to think about. And and Mark, in the exactly. in the baseball realm of things, I to me, I I mean, you could call him old school, but I also thought he was a seeker of information. I don't. I've heard so many stories about him in the last twenty four hours. I I don't. I can't even attribute them anymore. But the one I loved the most, I think it was Steve Gilbert that I heard him say that Kevin wanted to hang out with his scouts. He wanted to spend a day with his scouts because he wanted to know what they're all about as humans, therefore why they would do what they would do. Does that fit, you think? Yeah, because he started as a scout. Right. You know, he for years he was a scout. For years he drove those lonely roads and went to the the, the podunk towns of, you know, where uh, you know, a small college or a small high school you know, might have a guy that can play, might have a guy that can play nine out of 10 times that kid couldn't play, but he had to go on these, on these long trips anyway. And, and he, he always revered his scouts and, and not only his scouts, but, uh, but all scouts because of, because he knew the life that they lived, the lonely, tough life that they live and they don't make a whole lot of money. I think he would get to know him, talk to him because then when it came draft day, if one of his if one of his guys that he trusted, one of his guys that he knew he could that, that he talked to him, okay, what do you like in players? What do you not like in players? If one of his guys would say, "All right, we need to take this guy," Kevin was most likely to believe that guy because he actually spent the time with these scouts and uh, wasn't wasn't worried about what the guy uh, looked like on a computer screen. He wanted to know. What the, what the guy's heart was like, what the guy's uh, physique was like, everything. He wanted to see the kid play, and if he couldn't see the kid play, he wanted someone he could absolutely trust to give him the info. Before I wrap it up, Mark, do you, I, and I don't necessarily disagree with the concept of organizational advocacy. It was just the timing <laughs> of it and the presentation of it. But do you think Kevin Towers came along at the right time for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and maybe at that moment in their history they needed – old school, high personality, a guy that a lot of people watching the games and buying tickets to could relate to? I think so. I think you're right. And, you know, Kevin did some really good things here. Uh, he, 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 got, uh, he got lambasted by a lot of people about the Justin Upton trade, which, you know, at, for, for a year or two. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't look real good, but it, it also re- retrieved you, uh, Randall Delgado, Brandon Drury, Nick Ahmed. There's three guys that are still in the organization, and you're talking about Ahmed Drury, who is you know a possible star in the making, and then uh, Randall Delgado, who's done yeoman's work. So yeah, Justin Justin has had a great career, but you know that trade ended up being. I think it worked out well for the Diamondbacks at the end with the four players they got, and also. Remember, it was it was Kevin Towers that got probably the most uh, organization friendly contract in the history of baseball with Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. That was all Kevin Towers doing too. So, uh, yeah, you know, there there's going to be people that uh, I never should have traded Justin Upton, but look at all the uh, savings you got for one of the best players to ever wear a uniform, uh, a Diamondbacks uniform, in Paul Goldschmidt. Well, I'm going to wrap this up because I feel like I'm mining a. A piece of your heart here, but I love what Theo Epstein said about him and Bob Nightingale's great column, that if you were in his orbit, you were happy. So, Mark, I don't know if you've ever made your way all the way through. You've been on a couple of them on the uh, Jody and Todd podcast, but we always try to end it with a song. I'm going to give you some time here, and I'll edit it if I have to, and hopefully this doesn't sound like my hazelnut coffee that I dropped my recorder in, but you know Kevin or knew him better than anyone, so what song do you think you'd like to hear right now? Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> I, I think 
I think something for Kevin. Uh, a combination of uh, Joe Walsh, life's been good to me so far. Uh, yep. I think I think uh, that I, I think that one uh, that one certainly fits. I think uh, the Eagles' life in the fast lane, uh, <laughs> and, and I also think uh, that that Kevin, because we love him, Todd. I think uh, knock knock knocking on heaven's door. How about because that? Heaven, heaven just became a better place with Kevin Towers. You uh, you just did what I used to call in the rock and roll trade uh, a triple shot, and that's even more appropriate. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Thanks, Don. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to the Todd and Jody podcast on Fox Sports Arizona. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. 